Welcome to the B2B Growth Marketer Podcast with Alex Mead. I've invited sales, marketing, and business leaders to discuss their successes, failures, and everything else in between. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the B2B Growth Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Mead. And today on our on the show, we have Nick Wassenberg. He is the VP of Marketing at Fulcrum. And, you know, we discuss quite a few things. And, and Fulcrum's doing some things differently. You know, they're they're a cloud-based uh, SaaS ERP platform for manufacturing. And, you know, they're trying to be a little bit different. They're trying to do some new things. And Nick uh, has done a great job with the marketing over there. And they've continued to see growth. And our conversation today is really about you know, how to reach audiences that some of them don't want to be reached and some of them, you know, are looking for new solutions and and really trying to find and understand what is the appropriate marketing strategy, how you fit that in and how you build on that to scale. Uh, We also talk about, you know, his first 90 days on the job and what that was like. And, you know, we had a good conversation around that and some of the things that he gets pumped up for and, and excited about reporting. So, so stay tuned for the show. It's a great episode and a great conversation with Nick Wassenberg from Fulcrum. Back to the B2B Growth Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Mead. And today we have Nick Wassenberg from Fulcrum. Uh, Nick, thanks for joining the show. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Yeah, happy to be here, Alex. Thanks for uh, having me on. Yep, I'm Nick Wassenberg, uh, VP of Marketing here at Fulcrum. We uh, are a technology solution specifically for manufacturers. And so an equivalent, some some overlaps to things like ERP, manufacturing execution systems, and really Kind of what we're trying to do is change the game in terms of how small and medium and, and growing manufacturers run their day-to-day operations. So we have a SaaS platform that's built for that. So very much in the uh, B2B uh, kind of growth world. I've been here almost a year and, and been doing business-to-business marketing in technology for the most part uh, my whole career. So lots of different stops along the way in, in sales and marketing and demand generation. So uh, yeah, learned a lot, still learning quite a bit as, as things change and as our market continues to evolve. Nice. Yeah. And I noticed you're in, uh, are you in Minneapolis or is that where you're, you're located? So yeah. I've noticed you've got, well, I was going to say, you've had a couple jobs in that area in tech and what's the B2B tech world like up there? Is it booming? Like, is that is that becoming a, a place where there's more technology kind of starting? Yeah, I mean, Minnesota in general has a lot of Fortune 500 companies. I think more like we're up there in terms of per capita Fortune 500. So we're blessed to have, you know, healthcare, um, retail like Target and Best Buy and, and some others as well. So we we have those big companies and we have growing and, and uh, emerging startups too, especially in B2B tech. I think there are a few examples. Marketing in the business to business world doesn't always bring about the household names, but <laughs> but we do have we do have, have uh, I guess quite a few. And technology uh, wise, I think we are often a kind of forgotten market in a way. Uh, we're, we're certainly not the Bay Area or New York or even Chicago, but we we hold our own. And we've had some some good results for a number of companies around around town, which obviously has kind of the offspring effect of people starting up their own companies and being a part of startups like like the one I'm at now. So it's a it's a mix. 
I think we're, we're emerging. There's Twin City Startup Week, which is in the fall, which is really a showcase for everybody in tech uh, on the startup side, B2B, B2C, and, and, and beyond, uh, which comes up in the fall every year. So it's a, it's a fun time to kind of reflect on how we've grown as a, as a tech community here in Minneapolis. Yes, it's I'm curious to know, I'm curious to see, you know, pandemic, everyone was dispersed. I think a lot of people moved out of the Bay Area. A lot of people moved out of California, New York. Uh, I mean, I know I know Austin is becoming like a tech hub. Um, and uh, it's like interesting to see where where tech kind of springs up in the next like two to three years, because I think people are all moving to different areas. Um, and I'm kind of curious to know, like how that affects startup world post pandemic. You know, it doesn't have yeah. to be centralized to the Bay Area anymore. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I, I agree with you that it, there's a lot of unknowns out there. I don't pretend like I'm going to have a crystal ball, but I think <laughs> we've got, we have a marketing team that is made of people that are for the most part based here in Minnesota, but we have people outside in, in different states as well. We certainly work with agency partners and others that are not necessarily Minneapolis based. So there's, there's no question there's advantages to having people in the office. I think it's going to, what's going to happen likely is there will be more of a push to let's get together and spend time building relationships and then yeah. we can go off and do our work and have kind of uh, accelerate the relationship building piece in person and then yeah. that will then facilitate better work even if people are remote so that's what we'll do we'll bring yeah a bunch of, we'll bring most of the company into the to the twin cities area here in a couple months when it's a little safer and when everybody's kind of past the vaccination stage and, and get together and build relationships and, and continue to push together yeah yeah it's interesting it's interesting in this last this last year you know previous i think i would have been on the camp of i prefer being in person because i like the collaboration and i still do but there's quite a few, uh, you know, and I would go to in-person networking events within San Diego where I am. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it was a way to like meet people. But with the pandemic, that changed drastically. And now there's there's probably, you know, 10 to 20 people that I feel like I am really close with that I've never met in person. <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to meet them in person. Uh, I hope at some point. But, you know, we've been able to utilize you know, Slack, email and, and, you know, Zoom communications to like almost get get that personal personality thing across. And, you know, that kind of like brings me to, you know, your marketing. I think like one thing I've noticed about the brand is it's for manufacturers, but it doesn't look like a normal manufacturer software, you know, visually, your brand, your marketing. Like talk to me about that decision to not follow the path of every other ERP or automation platform. Yeah, yeah, no, and I appreciate that that comment because it is definitely an, an intent that we have. And all, I mean, all, nearly all the credit for that goes to the, the people that were here before me. We are going through a website update right now that I'll have more of a hand in, but uh, been been fortunate to have a lot of forethought put into how we go to market even before I arrived. I think for us, it is it's a matter of the market that we serve and just as a little bit of context that might be helpful and, and other b2b growth folks may have experienced something similar when we think back to our market which is manufacturers like the the place that software in the workplace started was in manufacturing it was 
how do I set up a, a, a computerized machine that does cutting in a way that I don't have to do it manually? How can I make an assembly line that is more efficient using computerized software and, and technology? So that's where software really started. A lot of early software engineers were working in conjunction with manufacturers. And what's happened over time is there's been a wave of lots of external forces that have kind of minimized the impact of software and technology within certain pockets of manufacturing. There certainly has been robotics and artificial intelligence and new materials uh, all over the place in manufacturing. But the actual the actual software that they use in their shops, especially small and medium-sized, kind of the heart of manufacturing, has been pretty neglected, actually, decade over decade. And lot, again, lots of, lots of factors went into that. And I think we're trying to kind of change that trend and position ourselves drastically different on purpose. So it's like we're going to go even a step beyond what would be perceived as different. We want to be extra different. <laughs> if that's so that's what you see. I mean, we are also not shy about putting screenshots on our website, which is a little bit of difference than, than others have uh, in our space. And just being a little bit more transparent and a little bit more connected to how how our, our, our customers really feel and act. And uh, it's it's part of how I think the company, this company has been built is to truly have a, a baseline level of empathy for what, what this group of customers is going through. And, and like American manufacturing is something that I think is misunderstood by a lot of people. Uh, yeah. And what we're seeing is a, a resurgence and we want to be a part of that and as well as kind of rethinking how all of the 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 manufacturing space could be connected in a modern way. So it's a cool space to be in. And I think we're yeah. trying to set ourselves apart a bit that way. I think you're hundred percent right on, on everything there. I didn't quite realize that software, a big market early on was manufacturing, but it makes sense because there's so much money in manufacturing. And if there's ways to increase productivity, but also reduce uh, your expenses, you know that's that's obviously a place where they're gonna they're gonna look for, you know, tools, platforms to increase that. You know, one thing that I that I have kind of a question for you is manufacturing. You know, we've worked in manufacturing before for manufacturers and and you know client you know software like you trying to target manufacturers, and they're not always uh, it's not always the easiest clients to target from a digital perspective. Um, what what would you say are some of your biggest you know, maybe we'll stick to marketing, like marketing challenges that you are, you're, you're, you know, you're facing or that you're solving for or trying to solve for now. Yeah. I think one of them you touched on pretty directly. And it's like this idea of like cynicism or, or apathy that's in the market. People don't know that there's something new and different out there. They think there's a handful of solutions and the implementation timelines are years and the software is not that much different or differentiated. So there's kind of this status quo that people cling to. Um, I think one of the other real big trends that is a reality for Fulcrum and for probably other industries as well that are serving SMB is, but in, in particular manufacturers, there is this generational change that's happening that we're trying to key into as well. And so fathers passing their their shops or their business down to their sons or daughters, mothers to, to sons, et cetera. So this generational change is happening very, very, uh, there's a large wave of that happening in manufacturing. How that shows up in our marketing is 
we have to be aligned on, I think, two levels. And this is where we've seen some success is being aligned on kind of the mindset level. So not being not shying away from looking for alternative ways to advertise, meaning, you know, um, looking at video as a platform for advertising, looking at sponsoring podcasts, looking at things where we're going to start to identify not the shop owner that's on their way out to retirement, but looking for the shop owner that's the next generation. So what are some of the behaviors that they are taking on and trying to be mindset aligned with that, with that, and as well as, you know, providing content that is helpful for people that are going through that generational transfer. The other piece of it is our system has some specific workflow advantages uh, and, you know, some, some areas where we add a lot of value and some areas where we don't just other, you know, different pockets of manufacturing and different manufacturing workflows. So with that in mind, we have to put out a, a surface area that's going to be in line with that when it comes to SEO and paid search, uh, try and identify what keywords people are using and the workflows that are going to be aligned. So for us, it's about picking apart the mindset alignment that we think we have with the younger owners and new owners of shops and then trying to pick out where we can be aligned workflow-wise as well and, and really organizing our marketing across those two pillars. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. You almost have one of your personas is not the current owner or decision maker, but the future decision maker and understanding their challenges as they progress into you know, leadership decision maker. That's interesting because it's that's that's certainly playing the the longer tail game of, you know, they're not making decisions now, but they are certainly thinking about how to, you know, be more efficient, how to modernize, how to, you know, bring in tools to make things easier and better for the team. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a conversation we're having with a lot of a lot of our customers and a lot of people in the space. And it's it's super interesting because you'll have one side of the table is the daughter and the other side of the table is the, the father and they don't always see eye to eye. So we kind of have yeah. to play intermediary or counselor a little bit along the way, which is interesting. And But it is, I mean, it is a, a trend that actually, you know, we're, we're well both aware of and aligned with and we feel like we can add a lot of value even in the sales process for people to kind of rethink um, technology and the power of software in their shop. Yeah, interesting. So you, so you've been, uh, you've been there. What'd you say? A little over a year, a little under a year. Almost a year. Yep. Started in what? July. So I, uh, yeah, I started in the middle. Oh, of you're the... a pandemic, pandemic yeah. job. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be like, uh, you know, in ten years, people are going to be talking about this this time period uh, in history books or in, uh, you know, on on podcasts in ten years, what they were doing during that. Um, so I have a question. I always like asking this question. People that are still on the job for you know within a year. What what was your first ninety days like at yeah. Fulcrum? Like, what did you have a plan? And you said, "All right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend thirty days doing research and understanding." And then, did you build a plan that says, "Here's my, you know, like like presidents do. Here's my first hundred days." Yeah. Did you tell me about your first ninety days there? Yeah, I I mean, I got some advice from a, a marketing friend of mine that said. Here's this book, the first ninety days. Go read this book, and I did that before I before I joined. I did it kind of uh, in fast fashion, I suppose, as I was ramping up, and I started to build out some of the outline of okay, here's what I want to do. And when I got here, I kind of ripped most of that up because 
uh, not because it was a bad plan, although that's debatable, I suppose, but because what we see and what's really important to a company like this that's trying to reinvent things from the ground up is like not not coming in with a set playbook, not coming in with a set kind of set of assumptions that may or may not be true, but isn't based on kind of first principles. So what I what my first day in my first days in up to 90 days, because it takes a while to get a deep understanding was to lean on some of the people that have been here longer that have worked with manufacturers in particular for uh, up to a decade and tried to get to the heart of what they were trying, what man, what our market is actually trying to achieve. So this literally begins with what materials do they use? Like these, the where manufacturing yeah. begins is mining things out of the earth. So let's talk about that. Let's get a good understanding of the materials that then are used to make electronic goods or yeah. sheet metal or whatever it is. So having an understanding yeah. of, of what actually comes out of the earth to become <laughs> the things that we manufacture. The things we make. Yeah. Yeah. May seem kind of odd, but it actually was pretty fundamental to, to help understand what questions are they actually asking? Oh, that these uh, this type of manufacturer really cares about the alloys that they're working with. And that goes into the workflow that they have because they, you know, they have to take twists and turns in their own production line. So yeah, that, that was, that was kind of my starting point in, in clearly looking at some of the channels that were in place at the time in terms of demand gen, looking at some of the messaging and, and doing an audit of that and making sure it was all in line with kind of what I was learning along the way was really a big part of it. And then from there, was able to to formulate more of a plan, more of a plan on hiring and what other resources and tools we could apply. Um, and so yeah. that was that was the start. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, uh, I feel like I hear that so often is, I have a plan and then I ripped up the plan. The plan, <laughs> step one of the plan was rip up the plan. Um, yeah, the you beginning know. of the plan was always to get a good understanding of customers. Yeah. So I think that part of it stayed in place. The, yeah. the building out the rest of it needed to needed a bit of a reset yeah you mentioned something about like being or how I kind of took it as being agile and able to move to shift quickly if, if you saw different trends when you're thinking about campaigns or strategies do you plan for you know three month strategies six month strategies and then review or are you kind of long time long term thinking this is what we're going to do for the next six to 12 months then we'll review yeah what's your philosophy we, there yeah we take we take at most a month kind of a view we have our you know our, our plan of what the pro forma looks like in terms of lead and deal flow and we've been able to achieve or overachieve on that uh consistently but for us there's so much that's changing we tweak you know the the paid channels that we're using on almost a daily basis we're constantly refining that and observing new things observing things in the market when competitors are making moves we want to try and you know tap into that because we're lesser we're certainly lesser known in terms of brand awareness than than some of the others in the space so um yeah month month tops is my horizon right now and knowing that some things take longer we're working on some pretty long form content right now that that is that takes a little bit more foresight but uh we don't look much further out than that yeah interesting yeah i mean things move things move quickly and you know i think there are, i think you i think you kind of said it there that there's some things that need more time to build and to you know review and make decisions on how effective it is 
but there's a lot of things like paid, um, you know, specific content, you know, if you're doing webinars or other things like that, you can, you can check metrics pretty quickly on some of those, some of those tools and channels. Yeah. Yeah. What is, um, so what is, uh, what is one thing, what, what gets you fired up? What, like when, when Nick wakes up, like, what are you like? Yeah, let's do this today. Or I'm excited about, I'm excited about doing this at work. What, what is, what's your excitement? There's, I guess there's lots of things I, I enjoy. Like there's nothing that's much better. I don't always have as much time for it as I'd like, but I, there's nothing better than hearing, literally hearing the recordings of prospects on calls with our SDR or sales team. Like those are the things that are, there's, there's something about that then and technology and really distance has enabled more of it than other, than ever. So we use gong heavily as a, as a tool for us. Um, but listening to those coaching a bit along the way, listening to how the team is improving, listening to, you know, as a, as a marketing function, we instill a certain set of messaging or a certain way of storytelling or certain key value proposition pieces that we want to try and instill when those come to life in real conversations and they work <laughs> it's pretty cool and so that's that's probably number one i also i'm a big dashboard person as i think probably most marketers are so i the first thing i do in the morning is refresh my salesforce dashboards and see I'll see the bars start to to shift around. That was honestly that was probably a week or two in, into the job, and I had that all all set up because I, I that's just the way that I'm wired. It is actually motivating for me. It's also directionally kind of now I know what to go do. You know, obviously you know as 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 well as anybody, there are a lot of options when it comes to marketing. So what you really need is like to set your sails in one direction and be able to to steer is is more important than really really deeply analyzing every data point so yeah yeah i think uh that last thing there there are so many data points that you can get lost in what is working what's not working what should i do what shouldn't i do that it's really kind of finding what's what are those three to like six key data points those key indicators that i can look at and say our messaging's working but our something else is lacking or we we clearly didn't have as many call activities and our results were down so the messaging fine we just need to improve how many calls we make you know and being able to look at that and make informed decisions on a daily basis weekly basis monthly basis is is so important um and i i still talk to people that their dashboards are manual spreadsheets um that they put in and you spend more time collecting data than you do reviewing data. And so I'm, cl- I'm glad to hear you were able to build a dashboard pretty quickly in your journey. Yeah. I think that, yeah, the, the reporting and analytics journey never really ends. But for me, one thing that's been helpful, and I've learned this over time, like this isn't something that's ne- necessarily, wasn't wasn't born with this idea, but any report that I build or that someone on the team builds or that I'm going to be consuming, I wanted to answer kind of one specific question, if, if at all possible. Like, what's the top question this is going to... And actually, in Salesforce today, as, as the title of the report, that's it's the question. It's not, this is showing me KPIs for Q1 or something like that. No, it's showing me 
what channels are producing the most good leads? That's the question that I can answer. So I can invest in the ones that are working and refine the ones that aren't. So asking a question is, is the starting point for a good report or a good bit of analytics and then making sure you stay focused on what the what the question is as you're looking at it, sharing it, et cetera. So. That's a great perspective. I haven't thought of it as the 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 report is the question, or the the you know you're asking a question and you need a way to find that out yeah. in a very quick fashion and and labeling those more of like what question are you asking? What is the best performing channel today? <laughs> what is the best performing channel this week? You know, like and being able to report that. That's interesting. I mean, the other piece of it is knowing that there's good questions you haven't asked asked yet. So being being ready and willing and, and setting aside the time and, and resources to say, okay, now we're going to find the hidden pieces in the data and go after what we don't know yet. Like what what's missing? Like think about our spend, think about our market, think about the potential that's out there. What are we missing? And let's, let's data mine that or let's, you know, task a group of people with new perspectives Show me what I'm not seeing, you know, and, and having that conversation too. So it's never end. Like I said, always a journey. What, uh, when you got there was data was, did you have pretty clear and accurate data in, in, so you guys use Salesforce. Did you have pretty like a clear, was it, was it clean? Did you have to go through like a cleansing process? I think the, the, what I saw when I got here was, a, a really good set of opportunities that were in flight, a good set of leads that were flowing in inbound. The things that were missing was a little bit more kind of process adherence, I suppose, because there was there was not necessarily good definitions around stages and things like that, which is natural for a company that's early on. It's kind of like let's just start working deals and we got to learn as we go. So, so that's what I that's what I saw. The other thing that I think we're still working on, but is was it, was it especially the case back then was there's a lot of manufacturers. Only some of them are good fits for us. Only some of the ones that are good fits for us, we can find contact information for and, and details about easily. So it was about building up that database in, in a way that was thoughtful, not just having a, anybody could pull a big, pay for a big list of manufacturers and then have to go backwards and say, Oh, that one's not good. That, I mean, this company's been out of business for five years, or this company doesn't have like the attributes that we're looking for. Yeah, or this is a mismatch. So, the approach that we've taken is to be much more kind of curation based in terms of who gets into the database in the first place, which allows us to then run more effective outbound campaigns and have a better understanding of what the true market looks like. So, from a yeah. an, an analytics standpoint, I think we were we were decent on understanding the, the small level of deal flow that was coming in and analyzing the channels that were working and knowing where to reinvest, but um, needed some needed some help on building out the database even further and kind of setting a little bit more definitions for what was working. So, Yeah, that's good. It sounds like there was a, a decent foundation. And then as you continued to build the campaigns out, collecting and implementing more of that process information, because a good, because a, a report is only as good as the data that it's that's using so you know we've had we've had clients that's like oh man look at all these leads we have and we looked in closely and it's like you said they the, the stages weren't being used properly 
things weren't set up and it was it was all you know imported from lists they purchased three years ago. Um, and so the data is only as good as your reports are only as good as your data. And I think some people forget that stage or don't put as much time into it. So I'm glad you guys were, you've spent the time to build out the process to, to make that, make that important. Uh, I, I have two more questions for you. One, uh, really like what's next for your, for your strategy? Like what's, you're almost a year in, uh, what is, what's like the next initiative or thing that you're looking forward to in, in launching? Yeah. Well, we've got a new website that's being built right now. So that's happening, uh, which is obviously exciting, a little scary, a little bit of a, sometimes you you come out of a, a meeting to discuss it and, and, and put the, put the words on and visuals on paper and you're excited. And sometimes you're a little deflated because it's, it's not easy. And it, when we have a very high bar, so uh, it's going to take some time to get that right. So that's, that's focus number one. I think the other piece of it that I think about a lot is continuing to look at alternative channels for us. Um, meaning how can we, how can we find the people in our space that are either young entrepreneurial minded growth minded manufacturers, which there are a lot out there, but they're not always readily available. It's not going to show up in a demographic, you know, field somewhere. Oh yeah, this is an early adopter of cool technology. Doesn't really exist. So we have to try and kind of correlate, I suppose, to uh to some of the other tools they might use, some other interest areas. But it really feels like the more that we can do that, we're gonna see some real meaningful gains. And we have seen some of this already. If we look at our current customer base, it's a lot of that type of profile. And so reverse or forward engineering that piece of it is part of what's really really fun and exciting like let's tap into things that are going to help us bring our our win rate up and our you know time to close down and, and start to monitor that and then the the next big wave for uh, at this stage of a company like ours is making sure we're identifying and um propping up the the fanatics that we have, the raving fans that we have in our customer base today. Another kind of key piece of marketing is making sure that the, the people that want to be spokespeople for your company have the ability and the, the right, are approached in the right way to do that. And, you know, any SaaS business referrals and high, high level of MPS scores and things like that are, are super critical. We don't measure MPS because we think we have better metrics to, to, identify, to understand how people are feeling. So uh, that's just, again, part of what's unique to us. But it is part of, part of the marketing strategy is tapping into who's going to be our advocates going forward. So that's fun. Yeah, reach those promoters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, last question. And uh, I want you to think about those marketing managers, you know, maybe like... Uh, I don't want to say like entry level to B2B marketing, but you know, not, uh, not your seasoned experts. What advice do you have to them if they want to, they want to lead marketing for a company like Fulcrum, they want to be the VP of marketing or marketing director. What, you know, someone who's kind of gone through the ranks, what advice do you have for them, you know, of, of how to reach that goal? Yeah, I think, there's a few that are there's a couple things that I would say that are are likely fairly obvious, but you have to in order to actually follow through on them, you have to have the discipline to do it every day. And that is try and tie what you're doing and mentally kind of frame it in a way of how is this going to help the business 
grow in in marketing from a marketing standpoint, and especially for probably the people listening to this show, uh, growth is a th- is the thing. So if you can identify, if if I had a marketing manager that said, I think this thing that we could do, this approach, this change that we could make is actually going to be meaningful for our growth. And here's why. Here's a very concise and and easy to understand and digestible business case for this. That's hugely valuable. So understanding the bigger picture and applying kind of creative thinking to to that. I think the somebody said along the way that managers, good ones will say to their the people reporting to them, they'll say, I need you to manage me. I'm not, I don't want to manage you. One of those things has to happen, but I'd rather have you manage me. So you help me understand what I should expect out of you. Help me understand how you're thinking about the business. Help me understand what you need to continue to grow. So get get good at uh, managing up is a weird, I, I think it's an overused term and it's kind of a cliche, but it is, part of it is helping helping the person that's that's the leader on the team understand yeah, how you understand the context and how you understand yeah. how, how you can help them achieve their goals. I think you know things like early on in your career, things like attention to detail, being able to clearly, concisely uh, communicate are just super critical skills. And just like any skill, they they need practice. And they need feedback. Yeah. So so seek feedback, take it, learn from it, and and help manage the person that's that's leading the team. Help them manage their day and not have to worry about all the nuanced details. It actually, yeah. I mean, it's huge. That's a huge, huge yeah. value add. That's great advice. Uh, that's great advice. Advice I think I could have used. Me too. <laughs> young Me too. Alex. Yep. Uh, young too. Alex, you know, I was, I didn't, I didn't give my bosses the enough information like that would allow me to be better at my job or of like my career goals. And I didn't, I probably didn't, I was think I was too nervous to make bigger recommendations. Like who am I to, to them? Which that's great advice because now being that leader, um, I would love for people to come to me with that information. You know, it, it makes your job a little uh, a little easier and better and you can provide better experience for them. So that's great advice. Nick, thank you so much for joining. Uh, I really appreciate it. I think you've got given some great insight and, and you have great experience. I hope so. Well, thanks for thanks again for having me on. It's been been a fun conversation. Hopefully, speaking about my point about clearly and concisely communicating, cl- like clearly, uh, hopefully, I did some of that. Hopefully, I achieved that goal for uh, for the show. But yeah, can't wait, can't <laughs> I wait to hear. I think you did. <laughs> can't wait to hear how it comes out, and I, I like what you guys have put out so far. So keep it up. It's great. Thanks for joining, and yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, you too, Alex. Thanks for listening to our show. Uh, that was the conversation with Nick Wassenberg, VP of Marketing at Fulcrum. Uh, you know, be sure to check out Nick on LinkedIn. Uh, Nick Wassenberg, you can find him there. And you know, this was a great episode, and I think we covered a lot of interesting topics. And you know, we recorded an episode of our Help for Hop Take that will be out next week, and it's really about the SDR function and where it lives, and where where you know pros and cons. And for them, it lives under the marketing arm, um, and not necessarily under the sales arm. All they do collaborate and to do work with sales, but he's really his responsibilities with the SDRs, and that's a great conversation. So be sure to check that out next week. Again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Be sure to subscribe on on iTunes or iTunes. iTunes doesn't exist. On Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, 
you can find it on our website at beaconspoint.com or just really wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the B2B Growth Marketer Podcast hosted by me, Alex Mead. The B2B Growth Marketer Podcast is sponsored by Beacons Point. Beacons Point is a growth marketing agency that creates a video-first content approach to attract the right customer and deliver the message at the right time. Find out more at beaconspoint.com. This week's episode is produced by Summer Myers. Thanks for listening. See you next time.